0: How's it going? Hey, uh, um, we are just finishing up. We've got one more week after this on the Strong and Courageous series. Have you guys liked this series? Has it been good? Yeah? Yeah? (laughs) No? Um, So uh, who here remembers what last week's sermon was about? John preached. You weren't even here. (laughs) Isaac, can you turn the... Sandstorm off? <laughs> Can you start sandstorm off? Who here remembers what John preached on last week? I'll give you a hint. He talks. John, do you want to give him a hint? Oh, Erica. Yeah, confessing your sins before you're found out or before it's too late. You want a candy bar? Yeah, which, well, it looks like there's just Snickers up here. Yeah. Sorry, Anna. Okay, there were a lot of sermons, and honestly, I wasn't here for mass majority of them. So I'm not going to go over all the sermons. But um, I am going to be talking tonight about being strong and courageous. Um, This one was a little bit rougher for me. Anna can attest to this. This weekend, we went on a girls' trip, and um, during that girls' trip, I... Missed out on skiing, cross-country skiing, because I was like, I'm going to prep my sermon. It should be really quick, because I've been thinking about it for a long time. It should be nice and simple, just like go mode. And then I went upstairs, and nothing. I literally sat there for so long, reading so much of the New Testament, guys. Like, I know it doesn't sound a big deal in comparison to some of the like massive ones in the Old Testament, but... It was a long time I was sitting up there. And I came downstairs, and I was like, Anna! And she's like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, I am stuck. Please, please, please help me. So we sat there and prayed, and while I was praying, I said something that really struck Anna, and she was like, I got, what did you say? You said something about the, sh- you got the shivers or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and she, she's like, that I think is the way you should go. I think you should go off that. And I was like, you know what? I'll take that as the word of the Lord because it's better, it's easier this way, right? So I, uh, I decided to go for it. So tonight I wanted to talk about just that. It was the concept of connection and the power that there is in connection and the strong, the strength of connection. So, um, I just wanted to start out with praying because let's be honest, the whole reason why this whole night is gonna happen is because Anna said, Let's pray. So let's pray. Let's take advan Anna's advice. <laughs> God, um, I thank you so much that you are good and that you love us. And at the foundation of our hearts is love. Love that was put there not by our own effort, but by your cross. And I just, I thank you so much that you reached out to us. God, we are nothing without you, and we are everything with you. And the love that you have for us is so transformative. And Holy Spirit, I just invite you to transform us tonight. I invite you into our hearts. I invite you into this place to have your way. And we just submit ourselves to you and say, um, and say that we just want you tonight. In your name, amen. Okay, so what you're connected to will either lead you to power or leave you powerless. And I want you guys to think about that tonight. Um, So something that happens to me very often is I'll go all day long without charging my phone and then right before bed, I'll plug my phone in to charge it overnight and the next morning it's charged. So what I'll do is I'll do that right before bed, and then I won't even think about it. I'll, I won't even check it. I'll just like go ahead and go to bed and wake up the next morning. It's charged, right? Well, have you ever done the thing, whether it's with a phone, a tablet, or whatever you use, where you plug the thing in, and the next morning you come to it, and it's dead? And you're like, dupe it. <laughs> I did the thing where I plugged it in, and I thought I was good, but as it turns out, it was not plugged into the power source, and you wake up, and you're like, crap, I've got a really long day ahead of me. I don't have time to charge this. I've got go to ch- like, I go to church. I've got to go to church. I've got to go to school. I've got to go to work, and now I have a dead phone. Well, that's what I wanted to talk about tonight. And that came up because I was charging my phone earlier today at the church because it was almost dead because I did not charge it last night. (laughs) And so um, there are times in our lives, spiritually speaking, and just as an individual where we think that we are plugged into power, but it turns out that when crap hits the fan, we're left dead. And I just really wanted to talk about that concept tonight. And so um, so I just really feel like some of us here are connected to the wrong things. Or we think we're connected to the right things, but they're actually draining us of our power. How do you know? How do you know if you're actually connected to the wrong things or if you actually have it right? Because sometimes we don't know until it's the next morning, right? We don't know until we actually need our phone and we find out that we don't have what we need. Well, where do you go or where do you run to when you are at your lowest? When your battery is drained, when life has sucked you up, when you feel like you've been used all day long, where do you go? Where do you run to? Are those healthy things or are those unhealthy things? Do you run to your phone and sift through the internet? Do you spend all, all day in a book? Do you run to people who will coddle you? Or do you run to things that you should be running to? And so um, that's kind of a, a, an idea as to a as to gauge for yourself tonight on what you need. Have you been running to video games? Have you been running to something else? Or are you plugged into the things that are going to be giving you power in your life? Because what you run to when you're weak determines how strong you will be. I think that that's really important for us to to determine. Because sometimes we'll go for the easy access. We'll go for whatever's easiest, as opposed to double-checking that there's power in it. But then when we go and we take a turn in our life, we find out that we're actually pretty weak. And we can't handle it. So we we lash out in anger. We lash out in depression. We lash out in different, it manifests itself in different ways. Because as it turns out, we're not as strong as we thought we were. So let me just reiterate that one more time. What you run to when you are weak determines how strong you will be. Um, I wanted us to open up to Mark 2, 1 through 12, and I'm just gonna be an NLT, John, if you're down for that. Oh, NIV is fine, that's fine, I'll just switch to that then. No, it's fine. It's fine. No, it's, it's really fine. I don't really care that much. No, it's fine. <laughs> he, he's never slept on the couch. <laughs> My gosh. <laughs> okay, you got it? A few days later, Jesus again entered Capernaum, which is a city. The people heard that he had come home. They gathered in large numbers, so that way there was no room left not even outside the door it's like a super packed house not COVID friendly at all and uh he preached the word to them some some men came bringing him a paralyzed man carried by four of them since they could not get to him so because they could not get to him oh my gosh i gotta say this one more time since they could not get him to jesus thank you thank you uh since they could not get him to jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat Lowered the, mat the man was lying on. Then Jesus saw their faith and said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, just literally think about this, they were just thinking to themselves. They didn't even say it out loud. But they were thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but god alone immediately jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts and he said to them why are you thinking these things which is easier to say to the paralyzed man your sins are forgiven or to say get up grab your mat and walk but i want you to know that the son of man has the authority on earth to forgive the sins so he said to the man i tell you get up take your mat and go home he got up took his mat and walked out in full view of them all this amazed everyone and they praised god saying we have never seen anything like this okay so to break it down jesus arrives in a city and he's like chilling at somebody's house and people are packed they're so jazzed they've been hearing about all these crazy things jesus has been doing and so the house is like super super packed in and um, it's so packed in that these guys brought their friend on a mat, probably to the front, like, oh boy, let's go see Jesus, let's get this guy healed, and boom, like a big giant barricade of people were there. So instead of giving up, These freaks decide they're gonna go onto the roof and dig through the roof, like just destroying this guy's house and lower the guy like maybe Jesus will heal him this way. And I just think that that is crazy. Like who says to themselves, oh, this place is packed. I guess we should go home. No, I'm gonna like put a freaking hole through the roof and lower this guy in there. It's just crazy to me. And so we're gonna be talking about that tonight, about this weak, paralyzed dude and his buddies who decide to do the crazy thing. So here is a man who was at his lowest. He was not just hurt, he was not just injured, he was not just weak, but he was literally paralyzed. I mean, this guy had no way to get around without people carrying him, or without asking for people's assistance. So this is a guy who had some really tight friends, okay? Because they saw him in all of his business. (laughs) He had to, in order to live his life, he had to have really close friends. So this was a man who was at his lowest. And so this is a man who was drained, who was drained, who felt weak, who felt like he had no strength or courage, And he had some buddies on his side. So I want you to notice a couple things. I want you to notice that he would have never gotten healing if he didn't connect to people who brought him to Jesus. So the concept of this guy who knew he needed healing, and instead of his friends throwing him a pity party, saying, man, that sucks so hard. Yeah, life's really hard sometimes. Yeah, you're just crippled. Sucks bad. Yeah, it was a really, really hard time. He had friends who were just as desperate for his healing as he was for his own healing, to the point to where they were willing to go completely out of their way and be basically, you know, undignified to bring this dude to the feet of Jesus. This man was not afraid of people seeing him low or speaking to those in low places. So I wanted to talk about that. This idea of letting people in when you're low. Because I think that a lot of us are good with people seeing their, their good side. Or they're, they're willing to play church and put on a smile and say, my day's been good, yeah, you know, just school, school sucks, but you know, I'm here. Like we, we tend to like kind of glaze over our lives and not let people really in. Um, Some of us will not let people in, because we are afraid of getting hurt. But what you don't think about is, is when you don't give others permission to hurt you, you also don't give others permission to love you. Because we all know that you can only, you can only let people love you to the depth that you're willing to let them hurt you. And that is a hard pill to swallow because we don't wanna be hurt. And so inside of us, when we get hurt or when we get jaded, we say to ourselves, you know what? I'm never gonna let that happen again. I'm never gonna let someone hurt me the way that that person hurt me. And so because we put that stigma on our lives, we decide to not let people love us in return because we don't want people to see those sides of us. You don't want people to see us hurting because if they're hurting, they could jab us deeper. But in doing so, We deprive of ourselves of love. First John four eighteen, you wanna put that up there, John? First John four eighteen. You got it, broski? For First, First John 4.18. You playing Angry Birds? No? <laughs> yeah. Okay. There is no fear in love, but perfect life. love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Fear and love do not go together. If you are too scared to be hurt, then you are also too scared to be loved. So I want you guys to start to understand this because we can do this with our families where we just start to put up walls. We can do this with people in our lives who want to be there, who have genuinely good intentions, and we can start to put up walls because we're scared we can be fearful and that fear fear and love cannot coexist as you can see there is no fear in love being loved does not mean being ran over and it also doesn't mean com- and it also doesn't mean that you're comfortable in things that are wrong so i want you guys to understand the difference love doesn't mean that you're being ran over right It doesn't mean that somebody has the authority in your life to physically abuse you, mentally abuse you, do terrible things to you. That's not what that means. To hold you and your relationship as a stigma that you have to be perfect in order to be loved, that's wrong. That is wrong. And it also doesn't mean that you should be coddled. It does not mean that somebody should not share truth with you when you are off base. That's also not love. Is the concept that love shares truth. So you want to make sure that when you when you say that you know to let people hurt you. What I don't mean is don't let people physically abuse you. Like just straight up, don't don't let that happen. But um, but there is truth and there is a vulnerability there when you're loved, there's vulnerability our friends are either leading us to nowhere or leading us to our destiny that's my next point they're either leading us to nowhere or leading us to our destiny now here's what I'm not saying when I say that just so that way you guys don't think that my theology is trash I'm not saying that friends are a replacement for Jesus. Obviously, Jesus is the one who leads us to our destiny. Obviously, he's the guy that when it boils down to it, it's literally about Jesus. And there are plenty of examples in the Bible, like Joseph, who like, did not have any buddies around him, but like God led him to his destiny. Obviously, there's examples to that. But who you surround yourself, and this is what I want you guys to understand, who you surround yourself with matters good friends lead you to the heart of God which is always a hope and a future so it is true that your friends lead you to your destiny having a family of believers in our lives gives us the freedom to try new things and fail because our relationships are not hinged on perfection but they're hinged on love If you are loved well, you will have the freedom to try. And this is something that I'm seeing disappear. How many of you actually have dreams in your life? Have real dreams, things, desires that they want? You will not go out on a limb in this world unless you have love. You just won't. When you have love from the people around you, your family or believers, it gives you this great freedom, this great this great power, this great connection into Jesus, which allows you to say, you know what? Even if I fail, even if it doesn't turn out the way I wanted it to, I'm going to try. I'm going to try to do that thing for Jesus. I'm going to have that dream in my life because if you have love, you know if I mess up, if I make a mistake, if I fall, it's okay because I have a network of people that I can lean on. I have people next to me who are carrying my mat. And it's this, this concept that when we feel great love and when we feel like, look around you guys, when you feel love from the people around you, You won't be scared to walk into youth group and have awkward conversations for like 15 minutes. You're not going to be scared of that stuff. When you have real love, you'll be saying to one another after service, let's go have ice cream or let's go hang out tomorrow. But we can be so scared that it literally paralyzes us. Not literally. It mentally paralyzes us. (laughs) Not literally. Let's be frank here. (laughs) I mean, maybe it does. I don't know. For some people, a random occurrence, but... It paralyzes us. I have seen this this crazy phenomenon lately, where people do not invite people to hang out. Like they're so scared to go out on a limb to just hang out with one another. They're too scared of being rejected. Isn't that insane? You literally won't hang out with one another because you're scared. Because you're scared of being rejected. You're scared of there not being love there, and. I've seen this a lot because I run two ministries, but I've also seen this in literally everybody in my life is this concept that I won't go out on a limb because I have no feeling that if I fail, I have people to back me up. It's that concept when Peter got out of the boat and walked on water, he started to fall. But when he started to fall, he had Jesus to pick him up, hold his hand and walk with him. And we need to have people in our lives Again, I'm not saying that they need to be Jesus, but we need to have people in our lives that when we fail, they're willing to come after us and pick us up. And I think that there's people in here who do that, but we don't let people in because we're scared. We're scared and we've built up walls. And so I just wanted us to think about that tonight. That concept is one of them. If you look at your clothes, there's this phrase out there that I've been thinking a lot about. Look at your closest friends, and you'll look at your future. And I'm not talking about, well, I have a couple of Christian friends. I'm talking about who are your closest people in your life. Those people you're looking at your future. And I've been thinking a lot about that lately, like who am I closest to? Who are the people that I let in and see the sides of me that honestly I'm afraid to admit to myself? because I'm trash sometimes. Like, who are those people that I let in and I, and I ex- am vulnerable with? Because those people are the people that you are gonna be seeing your future in. The paralytics, or the paralyzed dude, closest friends carried him on a mat to his destiny. I mean, they basically took his, in that day, his wheelchair, they carried him to his destiny from his, from his disease. And the times that I have been healthiest, the times that I have gone the furthest, the times that I have been most fulfilled in my life are times where I have a strong community of believers surrounding me. And I'm not saying one or two Christian friends, guys. I'm saying a, a community of people around me. Um, when I was in high school, I didn't have a lot of Christian friends for my first couple years of being a Christian. And it's it was doable. I reached out a lot. I spent a lot of time trying to reach out to non-believers and get them saved so that way I could have Christian friends. Like I spent a lot of time reaching out and I just didn't have a crew that I could that I could come to. I didn't have people who like you see in the New Testament church in the book of Acts, there were like this group of people who would just like hang out in someone's house and just like pray and worship. And I really, I longed for that. I wanted people that, that wanted Jesus. I wanted people in my life that I felt like wasn't, I wasn't dragging them behind me, you know? Cause sometimes you can feel in life that the people around you, you're just dragging them behind you, hoping that they're coming along for the destiny but I wanted people that I didn't feel like I had to drag with me. And so I prayed, and I prayed for years and years and years to try to get that community. And um, when I stopped going to the church that I was currently going to and I switched churches to this one, I found this group of girls, (laughs) this crazy group of girls. It was me, my friend Katie Nordstrom, Katie Bolstad, So in high school, we were Kim, Kimmy, Katie, Katie, Caitlin, Michelle, and (laughs) Shauna. So Michelle and Shauna felt left out because their names weren't cool like ours. But uh, we were a crew, yo. We would go at like 8 o'clock at night, back when Starbucks was on Harrison, on that like first place that was to GameStop when it was the frozen moose. Remember that noise? We would go over there at like right before Starbucks would close and we'd get stuff and we'd just sit in the parking lot in the middle of the dark until like midnight talking, praying, connecting with one another. And man, my life changed. During that time, I went from this broken down person who was trying so hard to get to where I wanted to be and was struggling dragging along any person who would possibly come with me to this person who was strong, this person who was courageous, this person who was like, you know what? Let's go preach the gospel to those two people in the mall. Let's go do something for Jesus. Let's go dream. Let's have these big goals. Let's go to, on a mission trip to Mexico. Let's do something. And my life Changed, transformed this this concept of community, and this is what I'm saying, guys. It's not about dragging people along who call themselves Christians. It's this concept of this deep, empowering love, this deep connection to people who connect you to Jesus that I'm talking about tonight, and it's something that. I struggled with for a really long time. And like I said the times where I have been my healthiest, the times where I have gone the furthest, the times in my life where I am standing strong, are times where I have deep meaningful meaningful community that's surrounded with Jesus. Do not underestimate the power of being known by a group of believers. Those cr- that crew and me we were vulnerable. There were times when I would be sharing sin in my life, and I'd be shaking because I was embarrassed. I was found out. I felt ashamed, but I was not met with grief or anger. I was met with love and compassion. I was met with prayer, and those are the people who surrounded me and who were in my wedding and who stand with me in pretty much every season of my life, at least one of them, Um, I wanted to give you another illustration of my life. Um, This one isn't as super serious, but I I want you to understand. um, John, can you pull that picture up? After I graduated high school, I went to a place (laughs) called the Honor Academy, and I had a group of girls who were my close friends, and this is a picture of us, a, a group of us. We were kind of crazy, I'll be frank, but uh, we were kind of known around campus as being kind of crazy, and being the ones with really loud laughs, (laughs) and really, really uh, connected to each other. Um, Where we were at had a football league that everybody was required to join, and the girls all had a league where we would all play against one another. Guys all had a league, they would play against one another. Um, This is actually where I met Isaac was down there. But uh, I don't know how you did on football. Probably not that good. No, not him specifically, but his team. There are some pretty packed guys out there, okay? Like, they were like... (laughs) Well, let me just say my team wasn't the best either. To be, to be honest, none of us, all of us were like me. Not super athletic, I'll be frank, but we had enthusiasm. <laughs> we had that going for us. Look at us, look at the one on the right, that's Ninoska. She was hardcore and she wasn't super athletic. But we had one thing that other people did not have. Crazy enthusiastic love for one another. And let me just say that that scared people. We would show up like this, and we would be down on the line, and Minoska, she would growl, she'd go (laughs) And people would be so freaking scared at us that we would win just because people were scared at how united we were. We won the whole freaking thing, guys. People like me. Just a, just a reference, this was the normal for all of us. None of us played sports in high school, but we did love one another. We did have enthusiasm, and we became known as those crazy people who come on and have, we would like coordinate our outfits. We'd always show up in something different. So this was like camouflage, and there was one that we all dressed up in pink, And we'd make signs, too. I had this sign (laughs) that was made out of cardboard. The front of it said, the guy behind me can't see. And the back said, I'm sorry, you can't see. And I'd just stand there on the line and hold it up. And the guy behind me couldn't see. (laughs) I thought it was so funny. (laughs) It was so funny, John. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Week in and week out, we just tear it up. And I'm telling you, it wasn't like a small victory. I'm telling you, we wiped the floor with people. And we had no no clue how to play football. But we would just sit there and be super enthusiastic and excited to play. And the same thing happened with basketball. We did the exact same thing in the spring, With the basketball and i don't say that because i'm like yeah we work really hard no we really did suck but because we were so enthusiastic it changed things now i want you to think about that not to say that the people we faced were the devil okay take that out of your mind (laughs) but when we are unified and when we have that you know like in general people who are not confident in their relationships, don't growl at the front line, okay? Like people who are a little scared, who are being led with fear, they don't dress up like a bunch of idiots like we did. Like what even is on our arms? What is that? <laughs> Freaking mascara that we rubbed around like idiots? Like <laughs> but there really is something about unity that scares the devil. There's something about it that he knows that he cannot touch us because we truly are stronger together. And that's something that I want you guys to remember. That the Bible talks about that the devil is a roaring lion seeking who he will devour. And everybody knows that lions go for the one who's not in the group. The one who's weak, the one who shies back, the one who forgets that they're part of a group. You know, they're the ones who get eaten. And I'm not saying, or you'll be eaten. I'm just saying, even lions know that if you are part of a group, you are stronger together. Every animal knows that. Yeah, girl, you're an animal. (laughs) He devours the one who wanders. We were known as the group that were together. We were always together. We were together, you know, whether we were in class, whether we were at lunch, we were always together. Our group was extremely unified. And I want you guys to have that because for a long time in high school, I literally just drug people along with me, hoping that they'd change hoping that they'd grab hold of what I had instead of finding my people now I'm not saying that you shouldn't have non-christian friends I'm not saying that you shouldn't lead people to Jesus but I am saying you need your people you need to find people who aren't just playing church with you who aren't just who aren't just along for the ride but they're people who love Jesus So I want you to start thinking in your mind, who are people that I know who really do love Jesus, who really do want him in that relationship, and start to surround that relationship with the love of God, because it's super valuable in this season. We were created for dreams and for destiny. There's something in our hearts That screams destiny, this deep desire, and that's why when we don't have it, when we feel that's why we struggle so hard with our parents through high school, right? We're like, I was created for more, and you guys are holding me back. This whole, this concept of, I was created for more, but then we go to the extreme level because we're teenagers, and we're like, and you suck, but that's not true, like... (laughs) But this concept of destiny is inside us. This concept of dreams are inside of us. And it's not just dreams as in, like one day I'll have a a job. Like saying, well one day I'll be an engineer and that's the destiny. But like he wants dreams and destiny in your daily life. And it is tangible and possible for you. And it is even possible without people with you. It is, because to be honest, the only thing that makes a dream like Joseph like people in the Bible you see all over the place, all it really does take is a relationship with Jesus. But I will tell you, there is something especially impactful and life-changing that comes with community and comes with this concept of connection, connection to Jesus. It's like this like life hack that if you can have that, if you can try to tap into some of those people who do love God, it really does like fast stream your dreams. It really does get you on that get you you can go so much further with people who love Jesus than you could without him like Joseph like went for a freaking long time, going from like you know going from like a ditch to uh you know to jail to like all these different places, and I wonder what it would have been like if his family. Or the people in his life would have surrounded him. And so what I want you guys to get tonight is this concept of like, some of you have dreams that you've just stopped dreaming. You've just stopped thinking about it because you don't feel like it's ever achievable. Or you stopped doing the day-to-day dreaming of like waking up in the morning and being like, man, what has today got to offer, but you've started to look at it defeat as in, i just got to get through this day, I've just got to get through the next few years, and then finally I'll be able to fulfill my dreams, when to be honest, like, it's not a season to wait, it's a season to move, and you want people with you who are on board for that, and so um, we're going to break into small groups in a minute here, but I just really want you guys to, like, really grasp this concept of connection to people who love him and connection to one another. And that when that happens, it really will change lives around us and it will change our own individual lives. So uh, I'm just gonna pray us out and then we're not gonna break up in guy-girl groups. We're gonna be, what? Yeah, we're doing, we're doing together, right? No, we're not breaking in guy-girl groups. We're doing Co-ed groups, yes, that's the words. Okay, God, I thank you so much for tonight. I thank you that you are good, and I thank you that you've created us to mo- for more. Um, when I think about my life, and when I think about what you have in store for me, God, I just feel so hopeful for my future, and I feel so hopeful for the future of the people in this room. And God, um, I just want us to feel that. Sometimes we can just end up feeling so hopeless in our future and hopeless in our day-to-day. And God, I just pray that you would breathe hope into those areas and you would breathe um, connection to one another. God, I pray that we would feel the value of connection, feel the value of connection to you and connection to one another. In your name, amen.